0: Welcome to For the Love of Dogs with Janice Wolf. Hey there, it is a wonderful day in this neighborhood because we are at that wonderful Christmas holiday where people are already not being nice to each other and are already forgetting that their pets, that these new Christmas presents that these their kids or whoever they've purchased or adopted these dogs for, The kids are already starting to get frustrated. Mommy, he peed in my room. Mom, he's not doing this. Dad, he bit me. Well, guess what? Dogs have teeth, and so do children. There are probably more bites from kids and cats than there are from dogs, but, of course, the dogs get all the publicity. So today we're going to be combining for the love of dogs with me, and we're going to be combining with some shelter dog service dogs because what I'm going to be talking about today is relevant to everything. Now, when we start out and we say, oh, you know, we're kids, we want a puppy. Oh, daddy, please get us a puppy. Most of the time, as we all know, the burden falls on, well, if you have a nuclear family like we were all blessed, a lot of us were blessed to grow up with and in, um, you have a mom and dad or whatever parents, two parents who love each other and you have maybe a sibling or two and, you know, you have 2.2 children, so I guess one of them is tiny uh, or a baby. And then you have your, maybe your bunny or your, you know, fish tank and then life is not complete until you have a dog. But what tends to happen is people don't realize, first of all, they lose interest. People lose interest in everything not just a puppy, but we have to realize that you can't just get a puppy especially, or even a rescue dog, an older dog that's a couple of years old, and expect a dog to understand from the moment you start out what you're supposed to be asking of him. Even if you have a, a, the best trained service dog in the world, like I have, okay, and we train them, even when that dog goes into a new place, Yes, the dog is housebroken, but guess what? If the dog goes to the door and whines at the door and you don't let him out, guess what he's going to have to do eventually, right? He's got to relieve himself. So we have to look at it as, think about it as if it were a human. If you have, let's say, a 12-week-old puppy or you have a 12-week-old child, okay, it's human. Or let's say the times seven, even though it doesn't really work that way, unless you average it out when the dog is older. But let's just say for a moment that you have a 12-week puppy, which is a roughly three-month-old puppy. And let's multiply that times seven, even though it kind of doesn't work. And you say, okay, because it's really more like a one-month-old puppy is like uh, a one-week-old puppy is like a one-month-old. Or a one month old is like a one year old. So you have to think about for every month that the puppy is is of age. So let's say a puppy who is four weeks old can't hold more than about one hour um, his urine. He can't. It's just not possible. It's like trying to you know trying to potty train a seven week old or or a three month old human child. It's just not going to happen because they're just not at that developmental stage yet where they can understand. So when you decide that you're going to let the puppy out at nine o'clock at night and again at eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning, and you say, Oh, he can go for 10 hours. Now, not that it is not possible for there to be an outlier of a, let's say, you know, an individual who can do a little more than that or even a lot more. The average is one hour that the dog can hold the urine um, for each one month of age. So a three-month-old puppy, probably the maximum he can hold is three or four hours. Now, that doesn't mean that a puppy who's, let's say, three or four months old can't hold it all night, but it's the exception rather than the rule. So if the puppy comes to your house, and nobody lets the puppy out, especially if it's whining, Mom, it's whining. Make it stop. I'm watching Nickelodeon, or whatever you're watching. I'm watching Teletubbies. Okay, well, maybe watch something else. But you see what the problem is. Once the dog is there, you're teaching him, and especially that first two weeks and then the first two months, that's when all the learning is taking place. That's when the dog learns how to get your attention. That's when the dog learns that, oh, look, if I whine and bark and cry, people come over and give me food and pick me up and pet me. I will keep whining and crying and getting food and getting picked up. But you have to really, for that first two weeks and then the first two months especially, but continuing afterwards, what you have to do is make sure that you're consistent that what you're asking the puppy to do first of all, is viable and is possible because if the puppy is two months old and you get them, you know, some people, some, you know, quote-unquote breeders or backyard puppy mill, you know, people like that who are breeding garbage, what they will do is they will say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's all housebroken. They can't be housebroken at six weeks or eight weeks tall. They can't be housebroken at 12 weeks. They can get the concept but if you or your family members don't go and either get the dog to the pee pad or get the dog to the yard or get it out walking, and even if you live in an elevator building and you've got to walk down a long hallway, that puppy, is I mean, he's saying, I got to go, I got to go. Think about, you know, the little boy in the, uh, there's a TV commercial that I just love. And the little boy has a belt on and he's trying to open his belt and he goes, Mom, we're going to have a situation because he knows he has to go to the bathroom and he can't hold it anymore and he can't get his pants off. So, you know, it, and, and that's like a human. So if the dog, it's the puppy or dog is whining, rrr, 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 and he's going, I got to go out, I got to go out, and you're like, oh, I'm in the shower, I'll let him out in 15 minutes, please don't yell and scream and punish the puppy or dog. Because he was telling you, I have to go now. I don't have to go in 15 minutes. I have to go now. And they can't typically hold it in, So especially at that young age. So what we have to start doing is being better rule givers, being better teachers, being more consistent. And, you know, when you get a dog or a puppy, you are going to commit a couple of months of your life to get ready for it. It's like having a baby, except that goes for 21 years or forever. So what we want you to start doing and what I want you to start doing is when you do make that commitment finally to get that puppy or get that dog is first thing is when you come home with that new puppy or dog, unless, the, unless you're in like New York City or something or in a, in a city where there are a lot of dogs and there's a lot of germs, because obviously Puppies don't have immunities until they get their eight-week shots. So I always vaccinate my females um, well before, like two to three months prior, so that their immune system has had at least two weeks to kick in to get their vaccinations. That will start creating antibodies for the whatever the vaccination was for. And remember what a vaccination is. A vaccination prevents you from getting whatever disease you're being vaccinated against. There are some that are called vaccinations or vaccines that really aren't, that they might reduce it a little. But, you know, it to me, when you're getting a puppy a vaccination and you're getting him, let's say, especially parvo, um, there's been a lot of parvo outbreaks um, all over Ohio, a lot of other areas just enormous outbreaks of carvo and when you take an eight-week-old puppy out who just had his shots at eight weeks remember the vaccination a true vaccination will destroy the immunity that was given by the mother so if the puppy gets the vaccine at either if it never gets anything or the mother didn't have high enough titers um, or numbers of the vaccine effectiveness and efficacy if they didn't have that and now you get your puppy vaccinated at eight weeks or seven weeks, and now you get the puppy, for the next several months, you have to be careful. You don't want to go to a dog park. You don't want to be walking on the street where there are a lot of other animals, where there are rats. Like if you're in New York City, sometimes there are rats running around. You know, it is a city. Not everybody is clean, and there sometimes is garbage laying around, especially when you have the summer and the heat, or you have the winter and you have, you know, no pickup of, your um, garbage or anything, your trash pickup. So here you go. What do you do with your puppy? So you first start out and let the puppy be calm. Do not have every neighbor and every friend and relative come over the first 24 hours. You want the puppy to come into a nice, calm environment, or the dog come into a nice, calm environment, do not stick your face or allow your children or grandchildren or anybody to stick their faces into the dog or puppy's face. That is how people get bitten because even though you're excited about the puppy, the doodle thing that you bought, that you spent 4000 or $5,000, and you've had a picture of, oh, look how cute it is, and they are. They're. I'm not into fluffy, furry dogs, but they're very cute. They're adorable. Um, Yeah, I would just have a stuffed animal because I don't want all the hair and the grooming because that drives, oh my gosh, it's so expensive for all the grooming and everything. But, you know, you have this adorable little bundle, you know, who's just the cutest little thing in the whole world to you. And you start sticking your face in the puppy's face. Well, this puppy doesn't know you from Adam. This puppy does not know who you are. This puppy does not know that you've been waiting for it for, you know, six weeks and that you've been looking at his picture every day. This puppy doesn't know who you are. And you set them up for failure when you start doing things like, you know, picking them up, letting children pick them up right away. Not a good idea. A young puppy, especially one from, like, a backyard breeder or a pet store puppy mill thing, is going to be a squirmy little puppy. Now, you'll get the outliers, again, that there will be one or two or some that will not be squirmy little monsters. But puppies have razor blade teeth, and that's because if they were in nature, they'd be in a hole, and mama and daddy dog, especially mama dog, would go out and get food and come back. And if an animal like you know a raccoon or a you know a, a possum or you know a cat or anything tried to you know stick its nose into the hole. Where the you know the the animals the puppies are are underneath or behind those puppies can grab on with those little razor teeth and whatever it is it can probably let them go and run off. So those puppy teeth do have a purpose early on, and that's more when the puppy is not mobile, cannot get away from danger, um, and that's why they have those sharp little teeth. But if a puppy hasn't been taught right, even if they have. But like my puppies, so I have um, two of the most gorgeous little Ridgeback puppies you've ever seen in your life. The one who's going to be best in show dog, no question. He's gorgeous. First time, I mean, I've been since they were born, before their uh, eyes were even opened at two weeks. Well, actually, his opened at eight and a half days, which is the earliest I've ever seen. But, you know, I've been sticking my face in his face to train him and teach him that if you see a face in front of you, You never bite it. Well, I was playing with him and I got him amped up and I picked him up and I went to give him a kiss and he did a puppy nip at me and he caught my lip. It wasn't bad. It was just a little scrape, but it reminded me that I created that situation. Here's this beautiful, magnificent, well-bred, future best-in-show dog, and how can I get mad at him when I did a dumb thing? And this is me. This is, you know, everybody, you know, no matter, like, the, the... cobbler or the shoemaker has you know, has holes in his shoes and his children have holes in their shoes, right? The old adage. So the puppy realized, and I didn't hurt him or yell at him or anything like some people would really reprimand them very, very harshly. He just was acting like a puppy. He was maybe, you know, eight weeks old. So when I picked him up and I was playing with him and I got him all amped up. He was playing with me like he would play with his brother. Now, how do puppies play? They muzzle each other. They nip and chew on each other's faces. And if the one puppy hurts the other, they cry. And sometimes the one puppy, if it's a good puppy, will back off. And if it's a poorly bred or very unstable puppy or dog, it may bite and run. It may bite and hold. I've seen everything, believe me. I've been doing this a ridiculously long time, decades and decades, and I've seen everything. So what do I do when that puppy and his little razor teeth nips me? He wasn't being mean. He wasn't trying to hurt me. He was playing with me like he was playing with his little brother. So you have to think about these things. And you have to teach your children and grandkids and neighbor kids and everybody, and listen, some of you adults are worse than the children, that you have to teach them you don't stick your face in the dog's face for many months, at least two or three months, at least. And children should be taught not to stick their faces near dog's faces. We've seen children who have a lot of times the doodles, a lot of times a real dominant breed that really does not belong in a home with little kids or kids at all. And the kids get their face ripped off. And what happens? is euthanize the dog. Why do they euthanize the dog? Because the parents weren't watching and they didn't tell their kids, don't pick the puppy up and smash him in the face and stick your face in his face. Or, you know, like I've seen kids that'll, stick a dog treat in their mouth. And the, and even if the puppy is being a good puppy or the dog's being a good dog, the dog goes to take the treat, kid pulls away, dog bites kid's lip off. And it wasn't the dog's fault. It was the parents for not supervising and teaching. So if your children, because this stuff, in about a month or two, I'm going to be full up again. This always happens. It wanes after, right after New Year's, right at this time of year, and then about February, everything goes nuts because everybody's had these little puppies, they got them in eight weeks um, or got a dog, and now you, they start getting comfortable, you know, within a month or two in that two-month honeymoon period, and now the puppies are taking over. And now they've got real bad separation anxiety. They're whining. They're howling. They are being such obnoxious little things. And guess whose fault that is? Again, It is not your dog's fault. It is the fault of the parents and the family members who do not set rules and boundaries for the children and also do not set rules and boundaries for, you know, even for adults. So you have to make sure that you're setting clear rules and boundaries for your dog, for your puppy, so that this way, if they make a mistake, you can always just give them a little touch with your fingertips, like a little, almost like a little poke with your fingertips. You can also have your kids, especially if they're young and they don't, you don't want them really poking a dog or a puppy, you can always tell the kids, well, if he jumps on you, stand up and walk toward him. I've heard more people misinformed by, I guess, local obedience trainers or people who call themselves behaviorists but really aren't. And I've heard this over and over and over again. If the dog or puppy jumps up, what are you supposed to do? Oh, you back away. Or you turn, you turn around and show the dog your back. No, because somewhere there are some dogs that are laughing hysterically and saying, you know, these humans aren't as dumb as you think. I know the command that makes them turn around. You want to see? And dog one tells dog two, watch this. Now, here, see, go on your back legs like you're going to jump. You don't even have to jump. Just pretend you're going to jump. And that's the human's command to get them to turn around. Isn't that cool? Every human does it. Well, almost every human does it. So what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to be reactive or proactive? Let's not be reactive. You should be able to figure out at some point, and it might take you a little time, and that's okay, especially if you're first-time dog owners. Make sure you reach out to us. You know, definitely make sure you reach out to us because we will help you, and we will, you know, guide you and and make sure that you're doing okay. You can call us at 855-449-9288. Again, that's 855 449 I'm, I'm doing great here. Um, it, it's one 800 wall or 855 high Um, and the, if you can call and you want have a problem, or if you want to email us, you can do that. And we'll be happy to help you free of charge on the phone. If we do have to send one of our people out, yes, you'll pay for that, but at least you'll, you'll have somebody who's an expert and who isn't just You know, somebody who's trying to take a bag of treats, dog treats, or cookies and make an aggressive dog or a a puppy, you know, sit and say, oh, yeah, you just make him sit. So instead of ripping your child's face off when he's standing, he'll rip your child's face off when he's sitting. You need to teach these dogs and puppies boundaries like you teach your kids. What would you do if your child decided to, like, try to punch you? Would you just sit there and you would just be... You know, like, oh yeah, okay, um, yeah, you punched me in the face. Okay, that, that's fine. You would not be fine. So you just have to do something, anything that you can to make sure that you're going to have a really smart, well, uh, educated, not well trained, but well educated, um, you know, dog who's going to be a joy. Versus having, you know, a petulant toddler who, you know, you might have, uh, you know, a little bit of time with. You're going to spend a little more time and you're going to enjoy your time with your dogs. You are going to enjoy your time with your pup a lot more when you put time into it. And one of the other things when you get a new dog or puppy, try to do that when you're not going to be going away on vacation for two weeks. It's so important that initial time frame when you are going to have uh, the dog or puppy there. So if you think for a moment, think about if you get the dog or the puppy for Christmas, and now you go away for two weeks or 10 days, whatever. So now the puppy is learning somebody else's rules in a different place. And when you get that puppy, you have to start retraining that puppy to your place, to your apartment, to your home, to your condo, to your townhouse, to your sailboat, wherever you're going to be. So you have to be able to kind of cut and run on that and say, okay, you know, we wanted to get the puppy for Christmas, but the family's going away, you know, for Christmas, New Year's, and coming back on, you know, January 4th. And so let's get the puppy and not pick the puppy up for Christmas. Let's show the kids a picture of the puppy for Christmas. And then after Christmas, we'll go get the puppy. And that is really what you have to look at. Because otherwise, I mean, most any reputable breeder, a show breeder, particularly like an AKC show breeder, they are always going to do the right thing because they're not um, just. Um, trying to, you know, dump a puppy on you. They they actually care. They actually want you to um, be able to have a good relationship and have a good experience with the puppy because if you're not going to have a good experience, they may get a phone call saying, oh, we don't want the puppy or whatever. So a lot of this is, you know, basically um, you have to look at logic and make sure that you're setting your puppy up for success that your puppy is going to be coming into a calm quiet environment as much as possible give the puppy plenty of time to nap puppies will play at you know at young ages at like eight weeks old they'll play for 15 minutes and then they'll conk out if you get a doodle thing or a sometimes golden puppy or lab puppy yeah it might be like an hour but they're going to conk out. They're going to get tired. They're going to fall asleep. When those puppies are falling asleep, that's when everybody, there's always somebody has a toddler and the toddler goes and wakes the puppy up. Now, it doesn't mean you can't wake the puppy up and you should sometimes wake him up just so that he knows that when you do wake him, there's no biting, there's no, you know, getting startled and reacting inappropriately. So it's not that that's not a good idea, but remember they do need sleep. And the other thing is don't use your crate or your pen as a timeout area. The only time I say for anybody to do anything like that is if you, um, let's say you have, you know, a business meeting or something. So if you do have a meeting, for instance, and you know, your meeting is at 3 PM. So take the puppy out at, you know, 2 o'clock and get him tired out, play with him and, you know, take him for a little walk and all those things that you need to do. And then when you come back 15 minutes, 20 minutes before your meeting, that puppy's going to conk out probably for an hour or two. But that's very, very normal. What's not normal is you keep the puppy entertained all day. The kids come home. And then once the kids come home and start playing with the puppy for five minutes and then go eat their snack and go either do their homework or start calling on the cell phone with every friend they have at six or seven years of age. And then now the puppy starts getting ready and like, Ooh, I needed my my 15 minutes or half hour of play, but he didn't get it. So now what happens? The puppy is up and interacting with you and, or your family and the puppy is going to be considered to be out of control because you guys decided, oh, I'm going to stop. And meanwhile, the puppy is amped up. So you know, they can't just stop. It's like trying to get, you know, a toddler, um, you know, at, at, you know, 8 a.m. or whatever, try to get a toddler to stop to take a nap when they just get up. They're not going to be able to. So the other part of this is, when you get a dog or puppy, whether you're going to be training for your service dog, whether you're going to train training for your therapy dog, whether you're just praying it doesn't bite somebody and get you in a lawsuit, regardless, you have to do the same set of things. So first thing is, you're going to start walking the puppy or guiding the puppy around your house and your home first inside. Do make sure you cordon it off. Do not let your puppy, one of my most common things, which I one of the reasons I don't like just working with Puppies, even though I breed my um, gorgeous Ruggies and Ridgebacks, um, is that a lot of times I find that people say, "Oh, yeah, well he, you know, I want him to have the free roam of the house eventually." Yes, but he's eight or ten or twelve weeks old, and if he runs around, remember when a puppy is young, they run around, and that stimulates them to pee or poop, or both. And also, when they first wake up in the morning or from a nap, so even if they take a five-minute nap, get them right outside or onto the pee pad or into the yard or wherever you are, and make sure that the minute they get up from that nap or that you know overnight sleep, that they go right into the area that they're going to need to potty and do not play with them, do not call their names, do not you know get all excited and do anything like that because what that's going to do is distract them. But when you have a pup, and especially if it came from, like, a puppy mill, and, you know, we'll call it what it is, backyard breeder, puppy mill, whatever, where the dog was not raised in a home, like home-raised, like most show breeders tend to do, but the dog or puppy was raised in a kennel, well, they're not exposed to a lot of things typically. So if the puppy has not been exposed to, you know, different things and different sounds and all, He's going to get distracted because so he goes outside and, and he goes outside and he's like, oh, I got to pee, I got to pee. And they go, what's that pretty noise thing over there? What's that? Oh, that's a cat. Or, you know, wow, that's, what's that smell or what's that, you know, leaf blowing in the wind? They're going to get distracted and then they don't go to the bathroom because they're distracted. Just like your kids when you say, kids, we're driving to Florida. Anybody got to go to the bathroom before we leave? No, we're fine. And then because they're all excited about going to Florida, they're all excited about going on vacation. So instead of they're remembering that they have to go, all of a sudden they don't have to go anymore. And now they don't have to go until they're no longer distracted because they start settling down and then, mom, we need to go to the bathroom now. Okay. I just asked you 20 minutes ago. But that's the same thing as happens with puppies. So When that puppy goes outside, if you're able to, if you have a little run or a little, like one of these little kennels, they have a tractor supply or Menards, the luxury store for um, everything you could possibly want. That's a joke. It's not a luxury store. It's basically a really cool everything store that you can get. And they're in the Midwest. They're wonderful. Um, We get all our kennels our buildings, our kennel panels. We get almost all of our stuff from them. Well, anyway, you can go in there and you can get one of these, either five by ten. You can make them in any any size. Um, They have four foot, they have five, they have six, but you can get them in segments. And, you know, if you have, let's say, two dogs, you might want to have a little bigger area. But the dog should know either to go there or an X-pen set up outside or an area perhaps that has some cedar chips because dogs love to pee on cedar. Which is why when you guys go and get, not they don't have them as many as much now, but they used to always have these great smelling cedar chip beds, and the dogs would go and pee on them, and people would get really upset about it, and well because that tends to um, make a dog have to go to the bathroom, so now you have the dog has to go to the bathroom, or you know the cedar's there, and now the dog pees on its bed. And you think the dog is stupid, but it was just the smell. So we definitely don't want to have a whole lot of, uh, you know, cedar chips in a bed, but they are great to have in a section of your yard. Now, remember, when puppies are little, they're going to be putting everything in their mouth, just like babies do. So, you know, that's going to happen, all right? So when you have your X-Pen or your pee pads or your area the yard, or your little kennel area, whatever you have for the dog, you're going to put the dog in there and it should be covered if possible, so that, especially if you have a young puppy or a small breed, um, and you have hawks around or eagles or anything, or even bears, do not leave them outside alone, but you can be watching them. But don't be telling them, oh, go potty, go potty a million times, because every time the dog goes, I got to go to the bathroom and, oh, Fluffy, go potty. Well, hi, I'm Fluffy. You want me to go potty? Oh, what does that mean? So you're distracting them. So the whole purpose is they come and it's easiest than at night and then in the morning when they have to go potty, you take them out, don't talk to them, don't. You can say, you know, go potty one time, but really just let them go. Let them pee or poop on their own. And once they go to the bathroom, then you say good potty or good take a break or good, you know, out or good whatever you want to use, whatever word you want to use. And in that way, they start to associate that, oh, when I'm peeing, you tell me go potty, good potty. Don't say good boy or good girl because what does that mean, good boy, good girl? Go, Go potty. Good good potty, good potty. So now the animal starts associating the word potty with actually going to the bathroom. And then when you do take the dog out during the day, and maybe it doesn't have to go as much, and you say, go potty, the dog goes, oh, wait a minute. I know what you want. Clarity, clarity, clarity. Make sure that these puppies and dogs are taught properly how to live in your home. Imagine... If you brought a visitor from some other country, which happens a lot now, right? You bring in an exchange student over, you're bringing somebody over. And in their country, you know, they, like a lot of places, even different families, they don't flush the toilet if they urinate. They only flush it if they defecate, which personally I think is disgusting. But if you're in an area that doesn't have a lot of water or whatever, and, you know, here you are and you're, You know, you don't want to waste water? Okay, I could understand it. But don't get angry at the kid from France who comes in as an exchange student because he doesn't flush the toilet after he pees because you didn't tell him he should do that. So you're getting mad at an animal or at a person who doesn't know that he's doing something that you don't want him to do. Clarity, 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 clarity. Make sure you explain to the dog what's going on and make sure you can teach that dog, not train him, but teach him that this is what I expect. This is what I want. And when you do that, what I'm asking or you do what I'm trying to get you to do and you do it right, I tell you good, whatever the command is. So now you start learning what it is that you need to know and what it is you need to do then that's learning. That's teaching something or somebody what they need to do because if you don't do that and then the puppy, let's say the puppy's whining to go out and you miss the signal because you're in the other room, like basically if, if, and you know when people say, oh, my puppy has all these accidents in the other room. Well, why is he in the other room? If you had a toddler, you wouldn't say, here, go walk around with the steak knife you know, go walk around all over the house. You would either take the knife away or if you would give them a dull knife and you would be right there so that they didn't fall and, and hurt themselves. So if the puppy, and I tell people this, and sometimes people get, most people get it, sometimes they don't, and they think it's terrible, but I say, um, so your puppy, you know, chewed your rug, okay, or your puppy pooped in the other room and, and on your, you know, $6,000, you know, rug. Okay. Well, what would have happened if instead your puppy found the pills, your husband, your heart pills that your husband takes and had ingested four or five of those things? Or what would have happened if your puppy had chewed through an electrical cord? Right now we'd be at the emergency vet or you'd have a dead dog. So they say, well, that's not the same. Yes, it is. If that puppy took enough time and was able to be free in your house or in your apartment for long enough to go pee and poop in the other room, he could have just as easily ingested pills or poison or a foreign body or, you know, chewed on electrical cord or gotten into some other sort of trouble. So, yes, if your puppy has, quote unquote, an accident, it is almost always your fault. There you go. See, it's not the dog's fault at all. Now, this is where I get a lot of people, and I typically don't take these types of patients, but I do get a lot of people who say, all right, I've tried to housebreak my dog, and it's just not working. Now, in the rare circumstance, and I've seen this several times, and I was with uh, this woman who I used to know, um, and she had a little, like, a uh, basset hound dachshund. And it was the nose was curved, the vulva was twisted, the whole head had like a little bit funky shape. Very cute, like adorable little dog. And I looked and I said, "Well, if the nose and the hind end, the the you know vulva and all is twisted, there's a pretty good chance that that whole digestive tract has an issue." And it turned out, and I had suggested a few things, and it turned out that one of the things I had mentioned. Was that there might not be a, per, a proper confirmation in the bladder, and the puppy might not be able to actually tell. And the dog was already, I think, a year old. Um, the dog might not be able to feel that it has to go. And then all of a sudden, the bladder opens up because it, it can't, the dog can't feel it. There's basically no, like, think of it being there's like a trigger on the bladder, and almost like. Um, like a, a lever that as the lever goes down, like in your toilet tank, right? You know, as the water goes up, the the um, the lift, the float comes up and it shuts off the water. So it's kind of that same idea. But if there were no float, it would just keep running and you would never fill it up. So you wouldn't know that it was full. And that's where these dogs and puppies sometimes, it's not common at all, but it's not uncommon for there to be a problem sometimes. The another thing that can be a problem when puppies won't housebreak, and this is huge, is a lot of times they're either their bladder tone is not good, so your veterinarian might put them on something called throw-in, uh, which is like basically um, hormone, but a very safe one that kind of strengthens the bladder and the, you know, urinary tract. And that's a very, you know, it, people get scared of it, but there are also some natural supplements. I know Vets Best makes some. Nature's Pharmacy makes some good ones. There are a couple of other companies that also make excellent, excellent products. But don't be scared off by it because usually, especially with female dogs, if you do use the Proin, um, a lot of times, once their bodies are strong enough and they're developed enough, you won't even need it anymore. Um, there is something called spay incontinence. You know, the male dogs, you know, get neutered. I mean, let's face it, you know, I've done goats and horses and other animals um, on the farm, and I've, you know, gelded or neutered them. It's not really hard that much of a big deal. Now, you're not going to do this at home, okay? So, this is not one of those like, hey, don't try this at home. This is a don't do things that you have no clue how to do. I've done quite a few of them. But the idea being, when you're neutering a male, the testicles, unless they are up and what they call retained or cryptorchid is, is if there's one that's up and or they don't come down... Um, that can actually create a lot of behavioral issues. It can create anxiety, it can create um, aggression, very dominant behavior, very unpredictable behavior. So you know you usually see that once the hormones start being produced around six or seven months, you start seeing the, the uh, hormones kick in and all of a sudden your sweet little puppy turns into a holy terror. It could also just be developmental phases that we've gone over and you can read in my books. Um, but basically, when you have a puppy who is um, a male, your puppy it's not a really hard surgery i mean it's it's actually quite easy. not that you're going to do it, but your vet to your vet it's a nothing. You could take a first year vet student and they could probably do it uh, without a problem so the females totally different because you have to do thoracic surgery, right you have to actually be able to go in, or abdominal surgery, you're going into the, the body, you're cutting through muscle, you're, you're actually going in and cutting through, um, you know, from, you know, their navel back, and depending if it's a, a certain breed, they'll actually do, um, they'll tack the stomach, like on a, a Doberman or a Great Dane. Or the dogs that have an extremely capacious chest, meaning they're very deep-chested and narrow-waisted, a lot of those dogs tend to bloat when they're older. So if your vet says, hey, while we have your you know, your dog on the table and under anesthesia, would you like us to tack the stomach? Uh, if you've ever lost a dog to bloat, which I haven't, but I've seen many, many dogs bloat and die, and it's a terrible, horrible, disgusting you don't want it to happen kind of death. Um, The dog uh, might be better off having the uh, tacking of the stomach, tacking it up to the abdominal wall. And listen, you know, there's, there's a lot worse things to do than that. Um, But if it's a female, they have to go into the abdomen anyway. So they're, they're doing surgery and they're going to be in there anyway. So, that is a super invasive process and, and a procedure because they're, ha- they're actually going in. And I've seen, uh, there was one dog I remember that almost died, literally almost died, bled out um, because it had uh, some kind of clotting issue and uh, nobody knew it. Um, and so you, know, you have to be very, very careful with all those kind of a thing. and. Um, you know, I want to make sure everybody understands that because this is, a, it, for a female, it is definitely a um, much more complicated and significant procedure. It's still safe. Make sure you trust your vet. Your vet does tons of these surgeries, and you'll be just fine. But even for the recovery, for a, a male who's neutered, um, There's not a lot of stuff. You just don't want them basically licking the wound. But they're typically, unless it's a retained testicle, they're not. The vet isn't going to go up into the abdomen. So it's literally just what was hanging in the sack. And you want to make sure that the dog or animal is not going to be licking or disturbing it. Um, The vet might give him a little bit of antibiotic, might give him a little convenia, which is an antibiotic that lasts about two weeks in the system, kind of time release. But the key, again, is to make sure that you are teaching the dog that you're doing the right follow-up. Um, and don't, please don't neuter or spay your dogs when they're, you know, four to six months old. Um, the best time to do it, unless you have a significant behavioral issue, is about a year. Uh, usually after the females have their first heat cycle, and that will not cause additional breast cancer or any other cancers. Um, The one cycle is what now they're finally following what I've been saying for years. Why are you neutering animals? And you were getting a ton of uh, females and males, but especially females who were having spaying continents and who were on pro in the rest of their lives. So unless you own a lot of stock in companies that manufacture pro and you probably don't want to spay your four or five, six month old female. Because remember, in nature, those hormones are there for a reason. You know, think about a a baby. If that baby didn't have estrogen or testosterone or androgen or anything in it, the baby would never develop primary and secondary sex traits. It would never develop breasts. It would never develop, you know, other body parts or maybe hair on its body um, like, you know, a lot of guys um, have where they're, like, looking like a bear, uh, like my friend uh, Peter, who looks like a bear, um, literally. (laughs) And so the hormones that are in your dog's body are also responsible for bones, muscles, for ligaments and tendons. For the muscles include heart, include your organs, you know, lungs, your brain, your muscle fibers, your kidneys, your liver, your lean, you know, these are all developing. And the problem is that if you do not have the testosterone or estrogen or progesterone, but it's typically testosterone and estrogen, if you don't have that in the dog system, the dog is not going to be growing at the right rate. We always said, and there's a lot of other things, but we always said with horses, Zybred horses, New York uh, Racing Thoroughbreds. And I also breed the Rhodesian Ridgebacks. I bred rabbits when I was a young kid. I was in 4-H, had the number one rabbit, winningest rabbit in the country. Um, very cool stuff. And I love animals. I've always loved animals. I tolerate people, but I love animals. And most of you who are listening will, will pretty much agree with that. So what I used to do is try to explain to people that, it, like the Vienna Boys Choir, right? You neuter or you spay too young that primary and secondary sex characteristics do not develop. So that's where you get dogs with spay incontinence very often. That's also where you get issues that, like, let's say with a horse, if you geld them pretty young, meaning you're neutering them pretty young, under a year, they're going to tend to grow tall and lanky. If you keep them as a stallion, they will tend to be maybe not quite as tall or maybe they'll be the same height, but they're going to be very muscular. So you think about, you know, a bodybuilder and what do people do when they want to build muscle? They take testosterone, right? You know, they take stuff, they take steroids, they take whatever it is that they're taking, all kinds of things. So they take the steroids and that makes everything grow faster. Well, the steroids are over the top But you also don't want to take out the growth hormones that are responsible for proper muscle, bone, organ systems, and, you know, everything, height, width of, you know, bone structure. That's all controlled, at least in part, by all of the um, hormones that are in your body. So it's the same thing as if you didn't, you know, somebody's starving, right? You see sometimes the kids and you know, some of the really third-world countries, you know, they're seven years old and they're the size of a three-year-old, you know, in in the U.S. or or in another developed country. And they're, they're tiny and they're weak and their bellies are out, right? Their bellies are all distended. Why are their bellies distended? Did they just go to Denny's for the breakfast buffet? No, they're distended because these poor kids their bellies are filled with air and they're filled with, with bloat. And these kids are just miserable and skinny. And if you look at them, they, and you look at some countries, especially in Africa, where there's a lot of poverty, these kids, it's not just that they're skinny, their bones are skinny. There's nothing to them. These poor children don't have food and nourishment. So let's say you get a kid up to 13, 14, 15 years old, that might be, you know, 70 pounds or 80 pounds, um, you know, and that might be the biggest they're ever going to get. Now, from there on, if let's say they're 20 years old, you start giving them food, their bones aren't going to get thicker or stronger. Their organs aren't going to get healthier. They, they may overall be a bit healthier, but they're not going to be able to get that growth in there uh, the same way that you would have the growth of, you know, if it had happened normally and according to plan. So, you know, that has to do with food. It also has to do with hormones. So definitely we do not want to do that and remove those hormones before they have done what they need to do and creating a healthy, strong, you know, human or animal. Um, So that is really, really important. The last thing I really want to go into tonight, um, because we are going into New Year's Eve, and what do people always feel the need to do to terrify so many dogs and animals and make animals run off? Well, fireworks. We know that it's going to happen. If it's a young puppy and it's noise sensitive, you're going to have a long night. If, however, you have a puppy who doesn't react, that's great. Also make sure that they are not deaf because there are a lot of these backyard breeder, puppy mill, you know, designer whatever's that have deafness, that have, you know, different behavioral and and functional issues. So we just want to make sure that if you know that your dog is noise sensitive, the time to fix it is not New Year's Eve or the 4th of July. The time to fix it is for you to get a really, really nice uh, endless loop like on your MP3 or whatever on your phone and have it very, very light, very soft and just have it on every day, even if it's like a background music as a white noise and every day just put it or every couple of days just turn it up one on the volume, one extra. And eventually, you'll be hearing fireworks and thunderstorms and everything else, and your dog will start getting used to the noises and the fact that, you know, these things are um, distractions, and they're, they're fine, and they're not dangerous or anything. So those are some things to work on. If you have a dog who's extremely frightened, don't let your dog out at midnight, okay? Let your dog out. Be done by, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Usually people aren't going to be shooting off fireworks quite then. And make sure that all your gates and doors, and especially if you have a kind of tenuous gate or door or something that's really not strong enough to contain the dog, please be careful because I've seen very, very good dogs that, you know, were spooked because some, you know, idiot in a frat threw a firework at a a dog, and the dog backs up or or runs off because it thinks it's being attacked and hurt, and, you know, then the dog winds up having problems. So just please make sure that you guys are, you know, thinking about that. Don't let the dog out off-leash, you know, on New Year's or Fourth of July because even the most stable of dogs, Hearing a loud bang, it's like you. If you were walking in the mall and you hear a loud bang, you don't know what it is. You're going to duck or run for cover. Same thing with an animal, and an animal even more so. I don't care how trained it is. It's got nothing to do with training. It's got to do with reactivity, or it's got to do with self-preservation. So I can't even believe that it is time for us to stop, and I didn't even take a break today. I am grateful, so, so grateful to so many people to the most amazing friends, to all the people who are good people, all the people who help others, all the people seeking truth and not manufacturing lies, all the people who are out there with special needs kids or kids with cancer or other illnesses or conditions, people who are unfortunately going to be saying goodbye and this will be the last year that they're spending with a particular loved one. And they're just a lot of things going on these days, and it's a very difficult and very trying time, I think, in our history, not necessarily our best moments at all by by far, but I do hope and pray and wish each and every one of you who has a good heart, who is not looking to sensationalize uh, things that are not even true, who are trying to hurt other people, Those people I really have nothing to say to. The people who I'm directing this to are the people who are unknown, the people who give and give and give, the people who do and do and do, the people who silently wait at home trying to help their child, trying to help their loved one, their elderly parent or or friend. Those are the people who are the silent heroes, and those are the people who I wish each and every one of you, to have everything in this world good and for your lives to be made simple. And I've been given so much good in my life, regardless of health issues and and losing people and animals. It doesn't matter. We're here. Please love each other. Please think about it. Don't just assume you're a good person. Be a better person. No matter how much you think you gave, No matter how much you think you do, you're probably doing very little compared to most of other people or certainly people that I am close with, but I just want everybody to help somebody, to be kind to somebody, smile, don't be cruel, don't give the finger to somebody on the highway when you cut them off and almost kill them. Be nice. Just be nice and be good. Be good. Well, we're going to have to let everybody go. I wish everybody who is good all the best. And those who are not, may the chips fall where they may. Have a wonderful, happy, healthy holiday season, a beautiful, blessed new year. Love you all. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for reaching out. And I'm most grateful tonight, besides everything else, I'm so grateful for Don, who puts up with my show and tells me how wonderful, and uh, you know, everything is going and how all the good things in the world that we're all doing are helping people. So love you all. Have a healthy, happy new year. God bless.